Hello and welcome back to Black Girl Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We are back for the penultimate episode of season one of Mindhunter, episode nine. Story by Carly Ray, teleplay by Carly Ray and Jennifer Haley, directed by David Fincher. And I gave this episode a 9.3 out of 10. Man, Holden is fucking up, man. His, uh, his fanboy behavior towards the serial killers which we got that terminology in this episode uh is starting to have consequences and i don't know how you can call the newbie a snitch and not know that he's going to snitch i mean you're walking into your own trap you don't listen because you're stubborn and you have this grandiose idea that what you're doing is more important then what everyone else has to feel about it and it's really causing a divide between the team that could come with some pretty significant consequences because greg i was rooting for you greg but i also kind of no i was rooting for you greg i keep trying to say that you can't put someone in an unethical or immoral uh type of situation but i would think if your boss is saying i'm willing to fall on my sword for it and then you just you go against the team that's when it's like nah but on the other flip side you do need that person that's gonna follow the rules and not be involved in a conspiracy to lie to your superiors so as much as i want to give greg a whole bunch of shit which i am going to (laughs) because you know because crew comes first he ain't been crew that long (laughs) uh we start our episode i missed him dennis the menace is back sipping on something to drink oh in somebody else's crib waiting for them to come home because he's got murder on his mind no tape around his body i should not have been laughing but it was funny because he was looking out the window like where are these motherfuckers at don't they know i'm waiting here patiently to end their lives his little tantrum when he realized they was not about to come home in his allotted time period (laughs) and he calmly washed the dish and put it back in the in the sink but he also had to have that moment of frustration i don't know if he was waiting for a family or one person in particular but he definitely uh was not happy and someone got real lucky holden and bill are on their way to go see richard speck at the joliet correctional center in illinois i am gonna do a little bit of true crime at the end of the podcast let you know who some of these uh serial killers are just had that idea and i was like you know what i'm about to look up richard speck because i don't know too much about him although as soon as they started giving information about the crime i'm like yeah i did watch a, a documentary about something about this so they are at the facility ready to see him bill is upset because he gave a whole bunch of 
instructions to the warden to not only protect the criminal from any type of retaliation for speaking with the fbi but to also get the the person they want to speak with comfortable you can tell this warden really doesn't give a shit his uh his jail is in illinois not in nebraska so he got real life shit going on (laughs) these people are not nice Uh, they have arranged for his room to be tossed and that's when they can talk to him under the cover of that he uh, also kind of makes a, a comment about the fact that the fbi thought that their psychologist thought that painting the the walls or the cells pink would help them in the rehabilitation but he uh said it didn't work because everyone ate all of the paint oh that's nasty oh they're so nasty they probably started fantasizing thinking that shit was cotton candy or they thought the lead in it would do something for them people in jail are desperate <laughs> and no one's to say that any of these people are also the smartest of the bunch in the world of you know people who don't do things that get them in jail or at least caught because that would be the more correct statement even though that's not wholly correct and i'm aware of that <laughs> no reason to at me richard speck has quite the potty mouth he was saying i will lick y'all will beat your ass and get your cunt and i'll put my foot in your pussy or something i don't even know what he was saying i just know it was all very vulgar <laughs> and it was very threatening and it doesn't seem like the other people in the prison are friends with him question though how is it that you can call a prison guard the same race as you a cracker he needs some milk they bring him in bill's all very uh professional about it like we just want to ask you some questions he doesn't want to participate in their questions he says he's not like the other crazy folks he has a bird in his hand and he fed it through uh what do you say through a straw some meatloaf and he's like oh excuse me what the f that was bill's face when he saw holden turn into a straight school girl <laughs> i'm all you have a little birdie there this man murdered eight people when he doesn't want to talk about his crimes ford decides that he's going to get on the same level as him and says what what gave you the right to take eight ripe cunts out of this world which definitely gets richard speck's attention he's like you're fucking crazy man and the floodgates open from there as they start to tag team him holden's always usually taking point where he's asking because he knows all about even the tattoo can i see your tattoo where you're gonna have to come over here and roll up my sleeve Ooh, look at him he's such a nice boy and it says killers something i don't know i didn't check it out <laughs> but we get a good assessment of the crime from his perspective where he wanted to rob the place then when he got in there he decided he was going to rape one of the women then the other nurses came and he corralled them all and then he decided to kill all of them he says he could have raped them all but you know he didn't have any time and it turns out that this crime was really opportunistic versus this being something he intended to do as they were trying to ascertain from 
uh what he had to say if it was premeditated and it was clear it was not premeditated they asked if he felt any remorse about it but because he's living this very machoistic type of uh facade or he's got this facade about him the idea that he would try to kill himself by slitting his wrists in remorse is something that only quote-unquote pussies would do and so he thinks he needs to prove his manhood or his lack of softness by killing the bird the the tweety bird by throwing it in the fan only it's only game why you have to be mad i don't know why my first thought was that it would not go out like that not i mean it would break the fan (laughs) get stuck in the propeller it's guts and shit but you know i think he made his point he made his point so they leave the interview and at this point bill knows enough about holden that he's gonna just hold his peace because he's caught up in the after effects of the interview like oh my god they were just at the wrong place at the wrong time it was uh it was just their unfucking lucky day is where he really sums it up as and i feel that that like it was basically i'm a fuck up i've always been a fuck up i came to do this thing i decided to rape this person then all these women came at me i didn't know what to do and i decided to kill the rest of them strangling the woman was fine but it took a very long time so he used a knife to kill the rest of them which under which uh gets them to understand his methodology of killing uh and his um vocabulary is still uh one of the best uh besides kemper this is my my second best favorite anyway interview that they've done just because it was so very to the point i like the way they played off each other even when bill's given holden the look like this motherfucker (laughs) and then on the plane he tells him very you know plainly get rid of the fucking first part of that tape stop trying to act like what you like i understand and i get why you said what you said it doesn't offend me i can take it then he goes well i don't give a fuck what wendy thinks daddy chill but that's not the point it's the fact that there is a way in which you need to follow procedure and going rogue even though yes you can't sit there and talk to them in a certain manner but you got to be smarter you can't just knee jerk react to talking to someone in a in a manner that puts you less in the light of the professional because your job is to elicit information you got to get better and as wendy pointed out you're fucking impatient like instead of just wearing them down maybe coming back maybe taking a week he's trying to get in in the first five seconds because he's so giddy he's so giddy for the information that he's putting all precaution aside and he is opening himself up and his idea is oh they're serial killers so so who gives a fuck you're going in wanting something from them and you are fucking with their psychological like there is still rights whether you care about those rights or you want to adhere to those rights or you think they're fair that is that's irrelevant they're still there in place for a reason and you can't just go into an interview i mean that means anything goes that means you can end up talking with them and you know they might 
put some of that shit through their lawyer and then what you looking stupid because you've decided to immerse yourself in unprofessional conduct with someone who doesn't have to and whose only job is to for the most part find a way to fuck you over in the time frame that they have you everyone is not edward kemper and i think that because he thinks he can get to any everyone like edward kemper that he suddenly has a rapport like no other with these particular killers but uh yeah he's isolating his his peers because of it and i really think that uh tench was trying to assist him here like just just say it it fucked up man just get rid of the tape you don't need to have so much pride about it (laughs) you know it doesn't need to be there we don't need to know uh he decides to tell greg to redact the statement i'm not sure why he just didn't take the tape but he told him to redact it greg redacted it wendy listens to it and she does ask questions about how did you there's like a leap in logic they says there was an issue with the tape and she's kind of looking like okay i feel like you're you're being um (laughs) being a little uh untruthful about that but i'm not gonna push and that pretty much ends the whole richard speck part of the episode for right now i was actually sad they didn't go back uh wendy goes home and the only thing that's really been happening in her personal story arc is the fact that she's been feeding this cat and then she goes down and finds her tuna with a whole bunch of ants over it and gets all freaked out like oh my god i'm like why did you think this cat belonged to you i mean i don't understand why you thought a cat out in the world might not come back i don't know maybe she's lonely what is this supposed to to signify i'm not sure i'm not sure i care less you know what else i could care less about debbie and it's not even debbie it's debbie and holden together (laughs) they're completely mismatched uh she he sees her passing by in the laundromat they decided to reconcile uh next she's at his his or yeah his apartment uh she's talking about her classes he gets a call mrs wade which is the wife of the principal from last episode shows up and this is my thing if you were gonna say words like i didn't do that why did you invite her up there's no actually i would have said when he said would you like me to get rid of her i would have said yes because that there's nothing we need to discuss that's going to be beneficial like this whole conversation i thought was just dumb (laughs) not from her perspective but from him allowing it to occur whatever your feelings are you're allowing your professional life to influence your personal life and that's not how it should be your professional or whatever you do in your professional capacity should stay there which is why you should never have let her up those stairs only to tell her uh how did you find me uh it wasn't easy so she went through a lot of hoops just to find you you know that's opening yourself up to being shot in the head (laughs) like people might have revenge against you he's so naive and thinking about the consequences he's he's more into the intellectual idea but he and then on the in the next sentence says well this isn't exercises anymore exactly exactly 
which is why you need to be way more cognizant of what you are doing and in the people that you're you're becoming a part of and making these connections too those connections can turn very dangerous uh, and unsafe for you at any point in time and you you don't everyone is trying to tell you and you're just not listening to it which makes me feel that something's gotta come of that and the fact that he was in a car accident and he barely even registered that i almost forgot about that happening but she says her piece like oh you're so young and my husband is depressed don't you think that's weird that your husband is depressed at 50 year old at 50s at 50 years old <laughs> if i can talk and he is he can't find anything else to do besides be with children you know it, that's his life it shouldn't be not if he ain't fu- if he wants them so bad then have them or adopt them you don't need to be going around to and that's your issue because if y'all had kids you would you would understand why the parents are feeling the way they do and i know it's already been explained to you so why are you here at the fbi agent's home who just did a recommendation a recommendation that was already going on prior to the fbi showing up she just looking for someone to blame karen take your ass home all right and divorce your husband because he does have pedophilic tendencies i mean I, ain't nobody ever looked at michael jackson and was said you know it's so fine and cool that a 45 year old man wants to be in bed with a 13 year old i don't care if you think because you love children this shit ain't right period point blank it's not okay it's not okay without the parents permission it's not okay even with the parents permission it's not okay because guess who cannot permit the child you might want to be in a fucking bed with an adult unless it's your parent that's just so weird it's like even you know it's weird be uh funny ironic whatever word you want to use for it is that my ex his girlfriend at the time wanted to give my daughter a shower i said get the fuck up out of the bathtub like i was not about that i was not about that because no person besides the parent should be putting soap on a rag and washing all over my child's body when she was tiny obviously (laughs) now at the age she does it herself and then she does it herself right so no one else can do that the minute you put someone else in the middle of that it's weird it's just weird it's crossing a line now if it was a stepmother maybe if they was married and knew each other for years and even then i mean i need to know you i don't so don't put your hands on my child that's just every parent's <laughs> reaction at least i would think every good parent's reaction to anyone else being involved that intimately with your child and if you cannot get that mrs wade then you need to go get some counseling but you don't show the fuck up here and then what the fuck was robin or whatever her name debbie what the hell was that about she's like oh you're young too what is what does my youth got to do with the fuck that your husband's a pedophile ma'am i i, I hate the fact that she kept saying you're young this has nothing to do with anything <laughs> oh because i'm younger than you then somehow i'm invalid not only that she gonna say do you want to come in 
Shut your bubblegum, dumb, dumb looking ass the fuck up. So holding the standing right here ain't done shit to move closer to this woman. You listening to this whole conversation that you are already apprised of and you're going to invite this woman in her house and then you're going to ask him what did he do? Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. <laughs> that would have been him walking past her saying nothing. I would, I would not just say, I would have said, you know what? You can go home too. You can go follow her. You go, to, you, you know, go have a whole conversation with her ass about what I did. Like, what kind of solidarity do you offer? None, clearly, because the way you had your crotch open in front of that one dude, you clearly are trying to get the hell up out of this relationship. And you need to stop feeling bad about the fact that you want out of this relationship. You're not compatible. He's too much for you. And, uh,. I think that Holden always knew that Debbie was <laughs> out of his out of his league and thus that insecurity is going to continuously come back as a barrier and if you cannot completely trust someone then unfortunately or you're always thinking that they're always going to leave you or something to that effect and we still ain't heard about your mama then then you know you're going to have to let it go which I feel as if it is on the brink of happening so greg brings bill the information regarding the murder of lisa dawn porter in georgia she's a 12 year old little girl they are able to uh well i love this scene this is when i was like oh my goodness because bill is in his office and you have uh holden who hasn't been the nicest to greg and he's he's letting him pick up on what he's learning and he lets him guide to what could possibly be what has gone on like this must be someone who possibly knew her or at least knew her schedule uh the fact that they covered up her face shows uh, a sign of remorse possibly they need to figure out did he intend he was uh, the the girl was found by lovers lane and so they congratulate greg on on being able to finally pick up on this information and utilize it and that's when he says should are they expecting a call from us and he's like yeah are we gonna put this into practice are we gonna start building these profiles to start to stop these crimes before they do become spree killings and so they go out to georgia they talk to the detective what i liked very quickly is who trimmed these hedges from the because <laughs> that would have been my first question i don't even know what that says about me that was my first question when he put it. i was like oh yeah who the hell comes out here because if it's somebody in the neighborhood the mama would have known it right um and then when i've also watched a lot of crime shows like i, I just listen to true crime podcasts i, I love crime uh not for myself but learning about it <laughs> and how they catch people and just the things that people give away about themselves but yeah so working it out like he must have known her schedule but it, how could he possibly if he wasn't watching her how could he watch her without the mom knowing who's always home and then you look up and it's like yeah someone was out here then it turns out uh, at the diner they get their suspect right away a 24 year old who happened to be there uh they realized that he had a he also had a criminal record r regarding a similar allegation of trying to molest a young girl 
they realized that he must have looked at 12 year old uh lisa thought she looked a little older actually tried to take her to lover's lane as a date which is really sick in his mind but then when he realized that she didn't want the sex he decided to kill her but then he felt remorse at the end and thus they have that guy so this is another win for the team that holden is feeling himself about except when they get back to to washington the opr has shown up due to some complaints shepherd comes down and tells them hey well shepherd tells wendy and wendy's like i'm not their boss but you are their boss you're the most qualified <laughs> everything is run through you and uh shepherd tells him you're just the messenger i'm the boss <laughs> but basically you keep me in the loop richard speck has filed a complaint because a he was uh beaten up and also he believes that ford was fucking with his head because he was very clearly making the correlation between the fact that he had remorse and he wasn't happy about that he was uh spitting on his facade and i'm not sure that's his place right i feel like they're they they took they are to get into the head of them but they're not supposed to tell them how they feel they're supposed to in, interpret what they give so i could be wrong with that i'm not a <laughs> i'm not a behavior scientist but i felt that whether he had remorse or not you know you don't have to convince him he has remorse if you feel he need he has remorse that's part of your assessment right am i wrong there uh but they now have to now this is the part i don't get where i'm like hold in what the fuck why did you bring greg you know greg has no chill and he will he will fold at any given moment you saw that with shepherd so why would you bring greg why didn't you just keep greg downstairs he tells him to bring the trans or greg grabs the tape he tells him not to grab the tape with this of course uh alerts winnie to the fact that they're hiding something during the opr interview they pretty much uh well greg is the only one that decided to lie by saying he destroyed the tape they uh bill all has his information together like look i had it in writing what i wanted the warden to do he did not do it uh and then holden says look i used some slightly aggressive tactics to get him to talk about whatever and then greg lies about destroying the tape they say don't do that in the future but also it's important that you cooperate with us and be transparent then as soon as they turn off the recording they're like fuck that guy (laughs) and just as they're thinking they just got through it they come downstairs wendy is there listening along with shepherd shepherd is not happy that he has had to lie to the fbi and i'm I, i'm not even not with wendy and shepherd on this one like bill i loved him he was like holden do you want to do the honors and he went to his office i told you what did i tell you didn't i tell you because i told you mm-hmm. and when did i tell you a long time ago and what did i say will happen when i told you exactly what just happened there's some back and forth with wendy and holden definitely giving them uh, giving each other death stares i was with wendy though holden you're being a jerk <laughs> you have a lost perspective just a little bit on where the line is and there needs to be a line and that's the part where he's just not accepting 
there doesn't need to be a line we have to do what we have to do no you don't you don't you don't greg made it clear that he does not want to be part of any cover-up or conspiracy which is why i don't understand why nobody took that damn tape why didn't anybody take the damn tape y'all know y'all cannot leave he's like oh they roped you into this shit (laughs) uh wendy wants to be transparent just hand over the fucking tape holden doesn't want to because he thinks it's irrelevant and you know it'll it'll hinder our ability to do more they argue about the guidelines once again bill comes out finally to say look just just fucking don't say anything they don't care if we don't say anything no one will know and the shepherd's like fine we're not gonna tell them however you need to put some shit in on paper and this is the same thing that uh holden did the first time well actually no was it holden or was it bill or when he was like this is why we have the questionnaire yeah that is why we have the questionnaire and i but i get the other flip side of that right because wendy you're not doing the interviews you don't understand what it is to elicit information from these people because you're not there it's easy for you to be on a pedestal when you're sitting in your office and you don't have to come face to face with these type of people and and hold your composure and this that and the other thing absolutely relevant however however just because you're not there and if it's getting to you to this point you're gonna you have to find a better way other than the way that you're finding because what he doesn't understand by saying eight right cunts out in the world and this is public record you just basically demoralize the victims by calling them ripe cunts and so if any of the victim's family were to come across this transcript and they see the manner in which you got this man to talk about his murders of their family by by basically dismissing them in that manner that's open to a lawsuit and that is why you have to have those rules so i wanted someone to bring that up but they didn't because i got what he was going for but that's why you don't keep a record of that shit you just don't (laughs) either you're gonna follow all the rules and uh you're gonna do it the correct way or if you're gonna go rogue you're gonna have to find ways to see why a and don't get everyone to cya for you which is what happened it was out of everyone's hands i did laugh how everybody went into their office and slammed the door <laughs> like holding you fucking disaster so uh the episode predictively ends with everyone leaving and greg totally mailing that tape to opr because he told the lie and i can't even blame him either i really want to say that is his fault because snitches do get stitches but at the same time i'm the one that told the lie so if anyone's busted it's me so i should be the one that's responsible and if the senior person in the room is telling me no but it's only the two that's always fucking up saying yes yeah uh except i have a feeling that it's gonna come with somebody falling on their sword and that somebody's probably gonna be shepherd or wendy that's the thing holding in them they could just be pushed wherever uh they it's it's almost like he's just like this is so important that it doesn't matter if it's uh if it's out of line and i i uh am very 
very <laughs> conflicted about that because i understand it but he's just he's so oh he's just so much he's so much he has to take a step back but i think that's psychologically gonna start fucking with him too so that is the episode another really great episode and i cannot wait for the finale so let's take a little peek behind uh the real serial killer and talk about richard speck sidebar before we get into this uh i heard uh in the episode they were talking about groupies like why would women yeah i don't know what's up with those type of women i don't get it but uh it is known to happen so on to our light biography on richard benjamin speck who was born in kirkwood illinois in 1941 and was the seventh of eight children of benjamin franklin speck and mary margaret carbo carball carball the family moved to monmouth illinois shortly after speck's birth he and his sister caroline were much younger than their four older sisters and two older brothers his mother was religious and a teetotaler which is a practice of promotion of total personal abstinence from alcohol or alcoholic beverages his father worked as a packer at a western stoneware at mammoth having previously worked as a farmer and lodger uh, in 1946 when speck was six years old his father died from a heart attack at the age of 53 speck was reportedly very close to his father on may 10th of 1950 three years after the death of his father his mother married married <laughs> mary married carl august rudolph Lindbergh in palo pinto texas she and Lindbergh had met during a train ride in chicago or to chicago Lindbergh was a traveling insurance salesman from texas with a 25 year old criminal record that ranged from forgery to several duis Lindbergh was also a hard drinker which was the opposite of speck's father speck and his sister caroline stayed with their married sister sarah thornton in monmouth for a few months so speck could finish his finish second grade before joining their mother in Lindbergh in rural santo texas 40 miles west of fort worth texas where speck attended third grade in 1952 speck's eldest brother robert died in an automobile accident at the age of 23 so that's uh some early childhood for you and then we're gonna move on to his crimes like i said i'm not gonna go over everything uh at 11 p.m on july 13 1966 speck broke into the 2319 east 100th street townhouse in chicago's jeffrey manor neighborhood the townhouse was functioning as a dormitory for student nurses he entered and using only a knife killed gloria davy patricia matusik nina joe schmel pamela wilking wilkening wilkening suzanne ferris mary ann jordan merlita gargillo and valentina payson speck who later claimed he was both drunk and high on drugs may have originally planned to commit a routine burglary speck held the women in a room for hours leading them out one by one stabbing or strangling each to death they then finally raping and strangling his last victim 22 year old 
gloria davy intervals of between 20 and 30 minutes elapsed between each murder uh, which is something he mentions like i killed one i had to kill the rest of them uh he also stated that he couldn't count how many he said math was never my strong suit because one was able to hide under a bed and and was able to pin him for the murders uh, and it was the same one that answered the door one woman cor rosan amaro escaped death because she crawled and hid under a bed while speck was out of the room speck possibly lost count or might have known eight women lived in the townhouse but was, but was unaware that a ninth woman was spending the night amaro stayed hidden until almost 6 a.m fingerprints found at the scene were matched to speck two days after the murder speck was identified by a drifter named claude lungsford speck lunsford and another man had been drinking the evening of july 15th on the fire escape of the star hotel uh lunsford recognized the sketch of the murderer in the evening paper and phoned the police at 9 30 p.m after finding speck in his room at the star hotel the police however did not respond to the call although the record showed the call had been made speck then attempted suicide and the star hotel desk clerk phoned in an emergency around midnight speck was taken to cook county hospital at 12 30 a.m on july 27th at the hospital speck was recognized by dr leroy smith a 25 25 year old surgical resident physician who had read about born to raise hell yes that was his tattoo in a newspaper story the police were called speck was arrested concerns over the recent miranda case that had vacated the convictions of a number of criminals meant speck was not even questioned for three weeks after his arrest speck later claimed he had no recollection of the murders but he had confessed the crime to dr leroy smith at the cook county hospital something that holder brings up this episode smith did not testify because the confession was made while speck was sedated illinois supreme court justice john j stamos cook county state attorney when speck was tried who knew the hospital confession stated we didn't need it we had an eyewitness speck confessed to the murders for the first time in public when he spoke to chicago to the chicago tribune columnist bob green in 1978 or maybe that's when he one or the other in a film that inmates made at the stateville correctional center in 1988 speck recounted the brutal murders in detail he again stated he was high that night but then he the he undercut the idea that the drugs were a mitigating factor asserting he could just as well have done it sober he was given the death penalty but it was reversed he actually ended up dying in prison shortly before december 5th 1991 speck was transported from stateville correctional center to silver cross hospital in joliet illinois after complaining of severe chest pains speck speck I don't know why i'm dyslexic right now it is so annoying i've like stopped 14 times because clearly i just can't see words right now <sighs> speck later died in the early morning hours of december 5th of what was believed to be a heart attack one day shy of what would have been his 50th birthday the coroner stated that speck had an enlarged heart emphysema and clogged arteries which most likely contributed to his fatal heart attack Speck's sister feared that his grave would be desecrated, so he does not have an identified physical resting place. Speck was cremated and his ashes were scattered in a secret location in Joliet, in the Joliet area. And that is the life 
of Richard Speck, A Very Brief History. Information from wikipedia.org if you want to get the full entire story. If you want to send feedback for the next episode of Mind Hunters, you can send it to blackercouch at gmail.com. You can also leave a comment below on this podcast. My social media will be there as well. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, and blacker magic. <laughs>